Suzanne. Well, um, my name is Rick. If you don't know, I get to be the lead pastor here. And we are in a brand new teaching series that we just started last week called um, uh, How to Survive an Upside Down World. So here's my... I don't say this very often, but I would in, uh, encourage you, if you missed last week, we really set the context up last week. So you need to go back, uh, whether you listen to it on our podcast or if you listen to it through the YouTube channel, uh, do one of those. Just so that, because we're going to be in this book uh, for the next several weeks and it just helps you understand the context uh, for where uh, we are. Uh, but we all are able to acknowledge that we're living in an upside down world. And um, if we step back from that, I think every generation would say, yeah, um, you know, our world looks upside down. Right. And, and but I think practically that we can um, apply this to our culture and that we are living in. Now, there's some of you um, that aren't old enough yet to realize how upside down the world is because you're not uh, really a student of God's word. And here would be my encouragement to you, to everyone in South County, to all of you online, and to those of you right here in our Cranston location, that you would uh, purpose, that you would determine this year to get into and, and study God's word like you have never had. And that, that by the, when 2023 is over, that you're going to know more about who God is because not of your, you know, what you heard somewhere or you, even that you heard from me, but because you opened your Bible and you read it for yourself. And let me encourage you, if you're brand new to the Bible, start in the Gospel of John. That's a great place to start because it helps you to understand who Jesus is uh, from the very uh, from chapter one. And so just spend your time and don't try and read a whole bunch. Uh, read as much that uh, so that you can comprehend uh, what you are reading. And as you read through that, you're going to see how Jesus lived his life. And you're going to be like, oh, am I living my life like Jesus was living his life? And you're going to see how upside down uh, that our world really is as you do that. And as we just think about this idea, this thought, um, how upside down our world is. We don't want you. Uh, well, we are doing this. We're going through the book of Daniel. So take your Bibles right now and go to the book of Daniel, whether that's on your phone or you have, you know, a hard copy Bible. Go to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter two. There's no greater example, I don't think, to show us how to live, how God has called us to live than Daniel himself. What a great model he is for us. And especially to understand that this started for him as a teenager for him this this hit, hit him his world got flipped upside down when he was just a teenager 16 17 years old and everything went sideways for him so students listen um this is for you uh you uh, god wants you he wants you to walk in this world with him and he wants you to go to school with him understanding that he really does we sing we sing these songs about how jesus is closer than our skin but that's a reality that's not, it's not poetry and music put behind that um that is who he is that he promises to walk with us wherever we go so i hope that you are holding on to these things. What we, um, as we jump into this, I want us to think about something that there is a rise right now. There's this rise 
in tarot card reading and psychics, uh, people seeking them out. You know what? The interesting thing is, though, that's been around for uh, the tarot card actually came at like the end of the 14th uh, century, 15th century. Um, that was invented and actually created by a card game by those wealthy people in, in Italy. But um, uh, maybe about a century later, it got turned uh, occultish, uh, very demonic. Uh, and, and now people are using it for ways uh, to try and figure out um, the future or decisions that they need to make. The interesting thing is, is that shows up in our book today, in, in, in Daniel, that that's what this king is turning to, to people like that. You know, tell me what this means. The Washington Post did an article on the rise of tarot card reading and the, uh, the phenomenon behind that about a year ago in December. And what they were talking about is that it tripled during the pandemic. And right now it's like five times more popular than it has ever been. But then when they went back just a few years uh, back to 08, they realized there was a rise in that in 2008 when, when there was a financial crisis. And so their conclusion was that this type of thing happens when fear and anxiety rise in people and they realize things are out of their control. So we've all been there or you will be there when you feel like things are way out of your control. And what we want to do is just not learn how to survive. But we, and I know that we entitled this series, How to Survive an Upside Down World. But honestly, the heart behind that is we just don't want to go through life surviving, right? We want to thrive where God has placed us. And so today, the question, this is a question that I want us to come to terms with. It says, how do we thrive, not just survive, when we live in an already upside down world and it gets worse? And in chapter 2, we're going to see for Daniel, he lived in this upside down world, but then it goes from bad to worse. And watch what he does. I want us, to, what a great example, to, and he's going to model to us how uh, to, to thrive in a world when it goes from bad to worse. So Daniel chapter 2, verse number 1. One night during the second year of his reign, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, he had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. And he said this, I have dreamed a dream that deeply troubles me. I must know what it means. So the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. You know why they said that? Because they're hoping long live me too, right? So um, they're like, long live the king. Tell us the dream. Uh, this is, uh, uh, tell us the dream. This is what, oh, you know, the astrologers, you know, the, this is what they're saying. Tell us the dream and then we're going to tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of uh, rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it 
mean? So this is how, like, out of his mind, King Nebuchadnezzar is. That he wants them to tell him not just what the dream means, because typically that's what they would do. Hey, I had this dream. What does it mean? And then they would tell him what it would mean. Well, now he's like, no, I'm not telling you the dream. You've got to tell me the dream and then tell me what it means, right? And so um, these guys, their conclusion, in verse number 11, their conclusion is this. The king's demand is impossible. He's like, what you're asking us to do, there's no way this can happen. Look, look what Daniel records for us. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And, and Daniel's given us a hint of the culture that they lived in, of what they believed. And they don't, meaning the gods, the gods that we worship, the, the Marduk, remember we talked about him last week, they do not live here among the people. But Daniel knew, Daniel knew that the God that he served actually lived among them, that all along he would travel with them, that he would be there with them, even though he is 1,700 miles away from his home country because he's in exile in Babylon right now. Daniel realized that his God was there, even though it looked like his God was defeated. Daniel's like, nope, my God is right here uh, with me. Now, when the king heard the, this report from those magicians, from those astrologers. Here was his response. The king was furious when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Now, don't forget, we talked about this last week, that they must have already went through that three-year process. We don't know how many years it had been that they were already in their place of service. Um, and now, what, what the king is saying, we're going to execute everyone. And because of the king's decree, in verse 13, and because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his other buddies, his friends, the ones that we were introduced to last week. Now, when they, check this out, when uh, Iraq, or Iraq, uh, the commander of the king's guard came to kill them, you know, that's that knock on the door, right? Or in your case, that phone call that you got, or, or that text, and you're reading it, and you can't believe it. What? Look, uh, they came to kill him. Daniel handled the situation with what? Wisdom and discretion. I'm just like, well, you know, it's like, just wake up. Like, what? I, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be like, hey, listen, you two hide on that side of the door. I'm going to hide on this side of the door. And when they come through, we're going to throw punch them. We're going to knock them down. You know, we are going to save our life. Right? I mean, come on. That's what we would do. But not Daniel. Like, where does he get this? He, he, he knows they're coming to execute him. You know, oh, there'd be all kinds of plans I'd be making, but it wouldn't be uh, to, with wisdom and discretion, you know, because why? Because Daniel, Daniel had something that you and I struggle with. He had the answer to this question. He had the answer to how do we thrive, not just survive, when an already, when we are living in this already upside down world and it went from bad to worse. Daniel, he was living life from a posture of prayer. He wasn't, no, he wasn't like in there on his knees 24-7, but everywhere he went, he lived from a posture of prayer. It didn't matter what he was doing. He was living in this posture of prayer so that when the knock came on the door, so that when he got the phone call or the text, so that when he received the message, hey, they're coming and they're coming to kill you, he was able to respond with wisdom and discretion 
wants to think about this. What does living from a posture of prayer actually even mean? Well, one idea behind it is that you that that your prayer in your prayer that you are actually seeking God. That you're that you're not bringing your wish list to God and saying, "Hey God, will you answer my wish list?" Here's what needs to happen today in my life. So many times we think prayer is like going to God with our wish list and hoping that he'll answer it according to the way that we want to live our kingdom life. And notice I said our kingdom life, not his kingdom life. A posture of prayer is that you are seeking God and, be, and, and, and that you're trying to be the answer to Jesus' prayer for you from John 17, that you would actually become more one with the Father. Living from a posture of prayer is that you are just walking through life in constant conversation. Saying, God, man, how do I become more one with you? How do I look more like you, Jesus, here on this earth? That's what this means. Now, what we're going to see, Daniel, is that he lives like this, but also he, he, does, he believes and he's living from a place of prayer and community. Because he'll go back and he'll tell his buddies about what's going on. And he's going to invite them into a time of seeking God. And then what he does is, are these prayers of praise. That's what we're going to discover in the next a few verses. So um, if you go back to the text, jump, uh, jump down or slide down to verse number 17. It says, And then Daniel went home and he told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what had happened. That he actually asked for to go in front of the king and said, Hey, king, I can tell you your dream. Give me some time. Let me go back and pray. Let me go back and ask my buddies to be praying. And we're going to seek God and that God would reveal what he is doing so that I can reveal what he is doing in your life. That's, and, the, and the king was okay with that. And, and he gave him that kind of permission. So he comes back. He shares this. Guys, you've got to start praying, right? And look at the, uh, the next verse, verse 18. He urged them, his buddies. Daniel, this is Daniel. Daniel urged his buddies. We got to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. He's seeking the good, not just for himself and his buddies, but for the good of all men. What? He's trying to bring more of God's kingdom here. He's trying to understand, God, how are you at work? It's went from bad to worse in Daniel's life, but he responds from this posture of prayer, trying to understand the way that God is at work. I'm currently reading through uh, this book. I would encourage you if you uh, if you want a fresh take on prayer, if you want um, some uh, uh, some fresh ideas. It's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's by Tyler Staten, who's a younger pastor, and but the wisdom that he has in this book is like amazing and and i would encourage you to grab this uh, you can get it on amazon but it really is a, a great uh um, refresher it breathes fresh life into your prayer and give you a new uh perspective on prayer but in chapter uh, seven um it's called the middle voice uh, that that's the chapter that he calls it middle voice but the idea behind that is uh, called prayer of participation 
And in that is what he is arguing because of another pastor who is much older and actually in heaven now. His name is Eugene Peterson. Uh, Eugene Peterson, um, I'll share this quote with you um, in, in just a second. But he, uh, Eugene Peterson, understood Hebrew and Greek, which the original languages of uh, the scriptures where uh, enough to where he uh, came out with a paraphrase of the scriptures because he was doing some inner city ministry in Baltimore. He's like, how are we going to be able to get, you know, these guys to understand the scriptures? So he creates the message. But in the Greek, there are um, they have a tense that we don't have in the English. So um, in the, the Greek, they, just like in the English, we have active and passive voice. In the uh, Greek, they, they have a third voice. It's called the middle voice. And it's acknowledging. Uh, the middle voice acknowledges that the action does not start with you and doesn't end with you. And, but it's also the idea of not being passive either. And so what, they're, what they argue in this chapter is that, God, that Jesus actually modeled this middle voice type prayer, this participation in prayer, that, it's, that we acknowledge that it all starts with God, but we're not supposed to sit back in a passive way and just wait for God to work it out, that God invites us to be an active participant in our prayers and the way that we pray. And that has changed. It's changed the way I prayed over uh, the connection cards and the way our team is praying over the connection cards. It's the way I, I have. It's changing the way that I pray because you know what? I'm, I'm now, instead of me saying, uh, God, uh, do, you know, fix this problem. You know, do the what what seems obvious to me. And maybe that is God's plan. I don't know. I'm asking God, God, reveal to me what you are doing in their life. And if there's some way that you can uh, that you're calling me to show up in their life and to be uh, an encouragement or a help or um, an answer to what you are doing, then God, let that be. You see, there's a big difference in that. Because you're essentially praying like Jesus did. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That you're ask, but you're asking to be an active part of that. See, here's the quote from Eugene Peterson. Here's what he says. And, and this is in the book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. The assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So, the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it, participate, and take delight in it. Isn't that a new way to pray? A fresh way for you and I to be praying and to pray that, that, we, that God would give us these kinds of eyes, that we would actually be participants in what God is doing in another person's life, and then and just delight in what God is doing. See, this is what Daniel is doing. This is how he's calling these guys. How is God? God, how are you working? And let me be an active participant in that prayer. And is there a benefit for that for Daniel and his buddies? Absolutely, it's their life, right? But um, but the goal is to understand the way that God is at work. The goal is to become more one with the Father. So back in our text, understanding that, verse 19, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. 
Notice what he does. And, and then he writes out his prayer for us. And we're going to walk through it really quickly. But I thought it was interesting to, to note that he didn't jump up when it was revealed to him. He didn't jump up and say, I've got the answer and ran back and save, you know, our lives. No, he immediately just paused to give praise to God, to acknowledge that this Ultimately, this came because this is the way that God was at work. Notice what he says in his prayer. It starts in verse 20. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. And this is interesting. This is why I highlighted it, because remembering the context of Daniel, he says he controls, meaning God. God controls the course of world events. When you feel like your world is out of control, the place that you need to anchor yourself is where Daniel has anchored himself, into God's plan, into God's sovereign reign, into what God, that God is doing something that you don't understand and that I don't understand, but he is trustworthy and you can trust it. And you're like, yeah, but it looks like you know, we're going to end up in bankruptcy or it looks like you know, they're going to pass away. Trust God's sovereign plan. He's trustworthy. And and he's given him praise. He's like, he removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I think... And praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. See, here was his prayer of praise. That's where he goes first. Before he goes back to the king, he just acknowledges who God is. Do you do that? Before you even have an answer, can you pray a prayer? God, I trust that you are in control. I trust that you are working through all these events. And it looks like it's getting worse for somebody. And it may be getting worse for them. But what if that's actually what's drawing them back to God or to God? Or that's how God is revealing himself to that person. See, God is at work. We can trust him. And you can trust Him. You don't have to control the outcome of everything. I know that we have this tendency to want to do that. But let go. And just live from a posture of prayer. So Daniel gets his um, audience before the king to tell him you know, that he has uh, the answer to his dream. But I love what he says in verse 27. In verse 27 it says that Daniel re- uh, replied, There is no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. He's like right off the bat, hey, there's none of us that could reveal this secret. But, he says, but there is a God in heaven. Let me tell you about this God who is in heaven, who can tell you. Um, He's the one who reveals the secrets. And he has shown the King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. And now I will tell you your dream and the vision that you saw as you lay on your bed. And and this again, this is so good. If you uh, skip one verse, go to 30. He does not want the spotlight on him. He says, and it's not because I'm wiser. 
He's making sure that God is getting the honor, that God is getting the glory. And he is like, it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else. I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you, he, it's because God wants you to understand what's happening, what's going on. He wants you to understand what's, what the, you know, the struggle is that's going on in your heart. And then what Daniel would do is reveal to him this dream that he had. And, and he would tell him about this statue that there was and how it was made up of, of different metals. So it started with gold. And, it was the, and that was his kingdom. That was King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And then Daniel would tell him, your kingdom's going to come to an end. And then, you know what? There's going to be another kingdom that would rise. And that was represented in the silver in this statue. And then he would tell them, there's another kingdom that will rise after that one is over. Why? Because one kingdom comes and one kingdom goes. Right? We have seen this. That's the history of our earth. Since we have been here, one kingdom rises and another one takes its place. And Daniel will explain this all the way until the very end. And then at the very end, in this king's dream, he saw like, uh, like, uh, like a hand in the form of a human hand that would reach out into this mountain and carve out, carve out part of this mountain and come and crash and smash the feet of this huge uh, statue. The, the feet were made of iron and clay. And in, the, in, this, uh, in that chapter, you can read how that was uh, nations trying to work together but how even God's kingdom, that rock that came out from the mountain, um, it was understood that that was the hand of God. That was about God's kingdom coming. And, that, and God's kingdom one day will smash all other kingdoms and it will be God's kingdom that rules here on this earth. Notice if you slide uh, to verse 44, it says, During the reigns of those kings, talking about all those kings, kingdoms that were represented in that dream, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. See, this, if you're wondering, where, where are we going? Where is humanity going? This is where it's going. You can trust this. Uh, you, can, you can anchor yourself to this truth that God's reign one day will be set up. And we may not get it all right. We may not fully understand all you know, that's leading up to it. And there's so many you know, theories out there. But one thing that we all can land on is that God is going to be in control one day. One day He really will set up His kingdom and He will rule. And no one, no one can conquer His kingdom. It will crush all these other kingdoms into nothingness and the, but God's kingdom, God's kingdom will stand forever. Are you a part of God's kingdom? Have you received Jesus as your savior? Have you actually placed your faith and trust in the person of Jesus? Have you acknowledged that you need a savior? Whether you're watching online or you're at South County or right here in Cranston, we all need to get to that place. Where we acknowledge. And that's what this life is about. To acknowledge that God's working out His kingdom for us. To, for us to submit to His plan and what He's doing. See, how are we going to thrive when our world has, is going from bad to worse? It's going to be when we're living from a posture of prayer. In the, in, in the end, in verse 47, it says, The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of all gods. 
truly your God is the greatest of all gods. Now, don't forget, Nebuchadnezzar is the one who went into Jerusalem, stole you know, those sacred items from the temple, has him stored away in his Marduk temple. And yet, he comes to the place, oh my goodness, Marduk could never do this. Your God really is alive. And he's acknowledging that, that Daniel's God is the God over every other God. Have you done that in your life? I want all of us, again, if you're in South County, uh, grab that connection card that was handed to you or you sat on it in a chair there in that room. If you're here in this Cranston location, the connection card's in the chair in front of you. Will you reach that out? Because I want you to see the next steps. We each have a next step. You say this all the time because I just want us to take a step, not a leap, right? So um, you've got a next step. The very first one says, I desire to respond in prayer like Daniel. That, that, meaning that you would live your life from a posture of prayer. When my world seems to go from bad to worse, I will start and end my day with prayer. Let me tell if you're new to prayer, if you're new to talking to God, um, just start this habit. Do it for the next seven days that you would start your day. As soon as you get up, talk to God. Just talk to him. And then at the end of your day, talk to God about your day. You know, ask God at the beginning of your day for what you need to give you eyes to see what he is doing, and that you want to jump on his page instead of him jumping on yours. And then at the end of the day, look back and say, thank you, God. I didn't understand all that, but thank you. I don't know what you're doing. I still don't know what you're doing, but thank you. Right? And many times, that's how I go to bed. God, I don't know what you're doing. I trust you. And then, you know what? Just fall asleep. <laughs> you can live like that as well. The other next step says this. This week I will practice listening and participating in prayer to help form a habit for the year. This is, for those of you, you, you know, you have a prayer life, but will you add to it this idea of listening? The idea of you asking God, God, what are you saying to me? That you are opening God's word and you read that paragraph and you're like, God, what are you saying to me from that paragraph from your word? And God, how are you at work around me? Because I want to participate in what you are doing. Show me. See, that's the listening and participating. The other uh, idea behind this is how does God want me to encourage someone else? As this, this very week, this happened to me that somebody, uh, uh, right when I was going to bed, I get a text on my phone. And they said, I had just finished a time of prayer. And I was just led to text you just to tell you that God is good. A simple little thing like that. But what they didn't know, that I was continuing to replay all week long some mistakes that I had made. How I had failed. And that continued just to play. Rewind, you know, play, 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 rewind. And... And then I was just reminded as I was going to bed, God is good. So I immediately text back. And I said, thanks for this reminder and thanks for the sermon illustration. <laughs> um, the last next step says this. I need confidence that Daniel displayed. Do you need the kind of confidence that Daniel displayed where when the knock comes, when you get the phone, when you get the text? Do you, that kind of confidence to, just to keep your wherewithal. 
Daniel displayed it. We need, I need the confidence that Daniel displayed, anchoring himself to the rock-solid kingdom of God. See, Daniel knew he wasn't going anywhere, that God's kingdom wasn't going anywhere. I mean, the king may take his life, but the king had it all under control. Man, that will give you so much poise in life. It will give you so much confidence in life. And that's what we're invited to. And it comes from this posture of prayer. We want to pray for you. So on that connection card, indicate. And if there are specifics that you want to give us about how to be praying for God's kingdom to come in your life, let us know in that part where it says prayer. And then just put them in the offering boxes in the back. Submit it online. Uh, If you're in South County, give it to Scott or Pete. And they'll make sure uh, that we uh, get that. So to close out our teaching today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take, I want you to take 60 seconds. And I want you to pray for the students who are at Deep Freeze. You know, you realize I, I think it's 48 of that are up at Camp Hebron, um, uh, our Camp Bria in Hebron, New Hampshire. Every year we send our students up there because this is an amazing time for them to spend with God, to get them out of their comfort zone and to hear God speak to them. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you know of one student who's up at Camp, uh, um, Camp Bria right now, would you uh, pray for them by name? If you don't know any of the students are there, will you ask God that he will help them to solidify whatever decision that God is calling them to make so that when they come back and they enter back into their high school or their middle school, that they will have a rock-solid assurance about who God is in their life and that they can live with purpose on purpose and that they'll live with a mission of hope. Will you pray like that? Let's take 60 seconds and let's pray that God will do that right now in Hebron, New Hampshire at Camp Bria. Jesus, thank you for being a God who invites us into your kingdom work. Thank you for those students who are at Camp Bria right now. And Jesus, we are praying for them. We are praying that you are going to continue to reveal to them. And I know today's their last chapel day. And God, I'm praying that, they, that you will solidify in them what you're calling them to. That they really do have purpose in you. And Father, that they can live with purpose. And Jesus, that you give them a message of hope that they can bring back to their high school, that they can bring back to their middle school. Uh, Jesus, that they can bring back to their peer uh, groups. Uh, Jesus, please. And God, however it is that you want to use me or any one of these whom are gathered here or online or in South County, however you want to use us to encourage them. Reveal that to us. Show us how we can speak your word into their life. Please. Thank you for what you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.